Local on the Go Show listeners, don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Racing season is right around the corner, so grab your One to Go Show tee or hoodie today. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here, sporting my 29 star apparel. I don't know if I, we're probably going to get more hate mail for that, by the way, just to let you know. The only person more hated on podcast, Bert, is Jeff Krause. Okay, that's the only person more hated, but uh, he's a buddy of mine. So I'll sport some red today. And of course, the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, uh, I see you, you got some summer attire on, business casual at work, no more parkas. I mean, racing is here how's it going over in eastern wisconsin uh it's going good uh saturday night chano speedway got their opener in um um mid-may it has to be one of the latest openers ever um for a regular season there so uh um but it was good to be back at the track and uh hopefully uh we'll continue to have some decent weather yeah, knock, knock on wood. Knock on wood right here. So, now, of course, this episode, uh, episode 177, brought to you by your friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. Bert, all fans got to do, all you got to do is go to Zuli's Race Engines on Facebook, and it's started. It has started multiple feature winners, first-time winners. I mean, it's. I tell you what, the floodgates are open. Zuli's Race Engines to Victory Lane. We're going to see this all summer long, right? If you can't beat them, join them. If you want to win races, they got the power. If you want to win championships, they have the durability. Get a hold of them, Zuli's Race Engines, and uh, you won't be sorry. I can assure you of that. So on today's show, Bert, a new little segment here, hot laps. I mean, every race program needs to start with hot laps, okay? Some knuckleheads over there in Wasota country don't believe in hot laps. We're going to talk about that briefly. Our top five moments of the week. Some fan feedback. We had some really good ones here this week. Who's hot? Who's not? Our weekly pickums, and of course, uh, our bold predictions. We'll get into that here at the end of the race. Uh, quite the week for Mr. Burt Lehman and the bold predictions there. I don't know. Uh, old Rye guy here kind of tracking you down a little bit there, Burt. So we'll get to that. So let's get to, let's start with some hot laps. Like I said, Every racing program should start with hot laps. It just is what it is. You got to start with that before we get into that. A little shout out, Bert, impact health sharing. So, self employed people, business owners, if you pay for your own health insurance, right? If you're paying too much, if you don't have it because you don't want to pay too much, I might have an alternative for you. 218 969. 1380. We'll see if we can get you a better price than what you're paying today on your health care costs. And uh, families coming in around $600 a month, $2,500 combined total family deductible. Um, shoot me a text, shoot me a call. I'd love to see if I can help you out. Impact health sharing. So, Bert, let's start with you. Eastern Wisconsin, Bert, you finally got. Is that your first race of the year? Yes, that's my first nice. first, wow. first race of the year. We're going to let you talk about <laughs> Eastern Wisconsin. Not only, of course, some highlights from over at the big half mile there in Shano, but uh, give us a couple things. Uh, I know Plymouth had some late model stuff going on. Um, I know that there's a couple other tracks that race too, but the floor is yours, man. 
Yeah, uh, Plymouth, uh, they got their second week of the Super 6 late model series in. Um, you know, they're having six late model shows uh, this year at Plymouth. Um, uh, in addition to, I believe there's one Dirt Kings race scheduled there. But anyway, uh, um, Scheffler uh, started on the front row again. And um, I'm having a loss for his first name. Um, Taylor. Taylor. Taylor yes, yes. <laughs> Redemption there, Bert. Redemption yes. for Taylor he, Scheffler. He gave one away last week. He gave one away. And uh, he... he wound up winning the race and I believe Brad Miller was second and Justin Ritchie was third. So the same three drivers finished in the top three as the first week, just in a, in a different order from the first week. Cause uh, the previous week it was Brad Miller. Then I think Ritchie and then uh, Taylor Shuffler. So uh, did, uh, did he drive away from the field or was it kind of contested or did he check on them? I'm not sure how, if he checked out on them or not, um, I, I didn't watch the feature, um, but, uh, Dirt Race Central, he got all, I know, I know, <laughs> official streaming, a shameless plug here, official streaming platform of the one to go show Dirt Race Central, super pumped to have him over in Eastern yep. Wisconsin. It, it was my granddaughter's, uh, dance recital yesterday. So I was, I was at a dance recital yesterday, so I didn't have as much time to, uh, um, watch, uh, catch up on racing action because I had to go back and watch the falls feature in the heat races. So, uh, I did watch that though, but we'll get, we'll get into we'll, that. We'll later. get into falls <laughs> we'll get in just a little bit here. Um, and, uh, you know, Shano Speedway and 141 Speedway, they both got their first shows of the year in on Saturday night. Um, Shano Speedway had, I believe it was 18 late models, which is a good count. I mean, all things considered. And it's not 25. Uh, what's same. that? It's not 25. Well, no, but <laughs> <laughs> um and uh Gunner Frank uh, wound up winning the late model feature. Um unfortunately, and hopefully this isn't a sign of things to come, uh, but the track rubbered up during the late model feature and uh um, there wasn't a lot of passing, uh, but uh, uh, Mike Mullen led the first 11 laps or so. And then Gunner got he uh, coming out of two. Uh, Mullen slipped up just a little bit on the track and Gunner ducked underneath him. And Gunner was fast. I mean, he could keep that car right down on the bottom by the tires and he was fast. Uh, there was a caution with three laps to go. Uh, Nick Avalink started the restart in fifth place. Uh, so he would have been starting on the outside. Um, and be, it's always fun to watch him uh, because during the caution, he went to the high side and one and two and rubbed it up, you know, stepped on the gas to see what was up there. And there wasn't anything up there. So on the restart, a um, couple of cars kind of parted ways and he just ducked down low and he wound up finishing second. But uh, he didn't have anything for Gunner. Uh, Gunner was definitely uh, the, the best car in that feature. Um, you know, I don't hold anything, Bert, against these tracks. I mean, opening night, you know, I mean, we've seen rough tracks. We've seen bone dry, rubbered up. I mean, they get opening night jitters too, right? Track press. Oh, right, and all right. that. So, I mean, I, I'm I, not. Well, that's good it, racetrack normally. In, in no way am I, uh, you know, being negative. You know, you know, it's the first week. So, I mean, basically, 
in the first couple of weeks, you want the track to be smooth, you know, right. Um, you want it to be racy, but you don't want it to be a plowed field. So, you know, you kind of have to, um, kind of pick and choose <laughs> what you want, but yeah, I I'm sure they'll have some really racy surfaces throughout the year. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that. Um, the track conditions were totally different than what they were at out of gaming speedway on Friday night. <laughs> um, <laughs> little hammer down was it over there or what? Um, yeah. Um, they had some rain during the day, I think. And, uh, the track was very, very heavy. Um, they delayed the races, uh, the start of the race time because they needed to, they actually got the grader out there to try to grade the slime off of it. And, you know, whenever you're doing that, you know, it's not necessarily a good deal. And, um, you know, so they, it was a hammer down track. They had like 194 cars for their opening night of racing. They have six, they had six divisions racing. And they had 190 some cars and I wasn't there, but I read reports where they were approaching 11 o'clock and they were still racing the heat races and they have an 11 o'clock curfew there. Um, oh boy. They went past the curfew and they raced until midnight uh, from what I read, um, but they only got two features in and I don't think one of those features was actually a full feature. So um you know, that, you know, mother nature threw their wrench in and, you know, they wanted to get the show in and you have to give them credit for trying and, and busting their tails out. Did tails it stay off. smooth? Have you heard? Did it, did it sound like it at least stayed smooth? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how rough or smooth it was. I know it was hammered down. And I mean, some people were on Facebook saying, uh, Boy, that's the best racing I've seen in a long time, you know, because we have dry tracks up here a lot. So people like to see the raw power of these cars every now and then, even if there's no passing, you know, it was still it was hammered down. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure things will get better for them. But that, you know, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I, I thought about this last year, too, because like 141 Speedway, they'll race six divisions and they'll get 180 cars for a weekly show. How many cars is too many for a weekly show? <laughs> you know, Bert, that's a good question. I mean, there's it depends how fast they can get it in. Right. I mean, let's face it. In my opinion, if you have that many cars, I don't know how the points work for IMCA, but like with soda, there's no heat points. Right. So you don't need to have like a whole bunch of seven car heat races, have, have big heats, you know, get the, get the program going. I mean, that's a challenge. You get that many cars, you got to battle with the track. You got to battle with cautions. You got to battle with time and you want to stick to that three hour, three and a half hour window. Right. You know, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a coin toss, right? Cause on one hand, you're like, well, we want to get the show going here. We don't, people don't want to sit in the grandstands all night. You know how the crowd was over there? Do they get a pretty big crowd too? Uh, yeah. It, it, from what I've heard, they had a big crowd there. I mean, somebody posted a picture. I mean, there's a long line of people waiting to get in. I mean, people want to see racing. It's been a long spring over here. So, 
you know, I'm sure that played into the mind of, you know, we're not going to cancel this. People want to see racing. People are going to come. And people did come there. Cars came there. Fans came there. You know, unfortunately, Mother Nature threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in it. Right. Um, but, uh, but, you know, even from a promoter standpoint and just say that, you know, the weather's perfect. I say it's sunny, not a cloud in the sky. You get 180 cars you have to pay 180 drivers payout. And if you're, if, if your grandstand attendance is going to be the same, whether you have a hundred cars or 180 cars, it's not necessarily would a it? good thing. Yeah. Would it though? Right. Because well, that's the thing. Yeah. How many of those people in the grandstands are there for a specific driver or drivers? You know, if you start taking away a couple classes, you lose 50 cars. Well, how many of those fans would be like, well, I came to watch that guy or that gal right. or whoever. I mean, A, if they're filling the grandstands, right, and they're filling the pits, that means they have an amazing culture over there. I mean, the, the time thing, I get it. But if if they're still filling the grandstands each and every week, right, if it's full, if, it's, if they're doing that, I don't know that I maybe question too much of what they're mm-hmm. doing because – I well, mean, no, I, I, I'm not questioning what they're doing. I'm just, uh, you know, curious, you know, is there a magic number as to how many cars a promoter actually wants um, at their weekly show? <laughs> yeah, it can go both ways, right? Because right. in my in my eyes as a fan, if you can get two solid heats, right, say 14 to maybe 18 cars in a, in a class, you're still going to have a plenty entertaining race. If you have more than that, right, if you have, I don't know how many classes, how many cars per class and all that, but if, if it ends up being more than that, the, the benefit can be nothing against people that are new, but if they have a long enough B-main where they can still get some laps when they get to the features, the, the, the top cars are in the feature and the guys maybe that didn't make the feature get weeded out so you don't have as many yellows in the feature. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of variables. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm sure they're hookah. Only Puka likes ten-hour race programs. <laughs> I, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're not going to have that many cars every week throughout the season. As you know, this was opening week. Uh, you know, so many tracks have been delayed so far this year. So everybody was stomping at the bit to you know get get on the track or to watch some racing. So what night do they run? Friday nights, and they so really they really don't have any competition on Friday nights. Well, there that, you go. You know, I'll tell you what, yeah. that, that speaks volumes for racing over in eastern Wisconsin. I think a lot of tracks in Wissota country are extremely jealous of those car counts. Any other big news um, from this past weekend over in eastern Wisconsin? Um, well, uh, Jaden Schmidt made his, well, he raced at Plymouth last week in the Super 6 late models, but he raced his late model at Shiloh Speedway, uh, pulled off during the heat race and... Um, didn't rate. I didn't realize he wasn't in the feature until after the feature was over. And it's like Jaden Schmidt wasn't in the feature. And then uh, they posted it on Facebook. They were pulling the motor out the next day. So he's, he has some motor issues. So uh, not a good, not a good way to start a rookie season in the late model division. No, my buddy, Brian, they had practiced down at Sycamore this past weekend and he got his, uh, he got his car all ready to go. And I'm not sure what happened. I'm not going to say the engine builder to throw anybody under the bus, um, but it made one lap in practice. Burton, it came out the bottom. Mm. He was sick to his stomach. So well, hopefully they get that figured out. And then uh, in the 
IMC Sport Mod Division, uh, Tyler Sobieszczak, uh, uh, his car was smoking badly in the heat race, and uh, it was a motor issue. And um, I had read on Facebook, he posted it on Facebook that uh, he tried to do a Trent Nolan. I don't know if last year Trent Nolan blew a motor in his IMC stock car in his heat race. His crew went to the shop, took the motor out of the other car, brought it to the track, and they put that motor in. So uh, uh, he sent some of his crew members to the shop to get his other motor, but he had to race a B feature where Nolan didn't have to race a B feature. So they ran out of time putting the other motor in. So he couldn't race the B feature. And that's got to be terribly disappointing because I would assume he would, he was going for the points championship. He's raced in that division a long time and he's always been near the front and he's always had like one bad week or whatnot. And he has one bad week in one week. Yeah. That's not a good, when you miss the feature altogether, I mean, yep. that can put behind the April. Yep. So he's got a lot of work to do. See if he can maybe make some ground up early in the season. So time will tell. So let's jump over to Wissota country, Bert. Um, and, and race fans, we're not going to get into all the recaps, right? Tune in this week. We didn't do them last week. There just wasn't enough racing. Tune in this week. We're going to have full recap shows for each class. And the power rankings are all together for all the top classes in Wasota country. Stay tuned for that if you want a full outlook of what happened. Now, a couple things that stuck out to me. Fiesta City Speedway, Montevideo, Minnesota. Weather kind of played a factor. Shane Sabrowski, the Ironman, he's the guy to beat in the Superstocks. Well, Trevor Nelson held off the 7A Bert. He did it last year at the 100. Trevor Nelson did it again at Fiesta City. Yeah, he started in front of him. Shane never really got too terribly close. So a great start for Trevor Nelson in the late model division. Everybody talks about rockets. They talk about Longhorns. They talk about all that. Max Nelson has a 28 special got it right he got it from jeff provenzino and of course wasota mb country he actually got to the inside of our very own jordan tollickson almost took the win got held up in lap traffic had a really good run keep an eye on max nelson in that 28 special red cedar speedway they had the seventh annual randy bus icebreaker who's randy bus bird i don't know about you but when when they have memorial races i, I kind of like to know a little bit about who's a memorial race about. I know who Randy Buss is, right? Randy Buss was a long time Wasoda tech director. Um, he was the, the head tech director for Wasoda. Now, it wasn't a paid position when he, nothing against Wasoda now, but it was not a paid position back in the day, right? So he was heavily involved with Wasoda for a number of years, had a passion. He built a lot of cars, built engines, had a great passion. His daughter, Amy, serves on the board at the Red Cedar Speedway. Um, we lost Randy Buss here a few years back, but he did a lot over in Menominee, Wisconsin. Late models, Pat Doerr, mods, Shane Halapka, but the Super Stocks, Bert. This kid, up, this kid that won in the Supers was 15 for 15 at his home track in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada last year. Cole Chernoski came down to the States. Last year, he won right away in the beginning of the year in the Midwest Mod at Menominee this year he won in the Superstock rookie um rookie Dave Simpson got fourth so team Canada looking pretty darn sporty in them supers um Jeff Ekdahl won in the street stock class that was good as well now Eagle Valley Speedway Burt Jimtown it's not with soda but uh, they might as well be because they're all kind of with soda classes right 
14-year-old second-generation driver, Caden Blazer, absolutely curb-stomped him. Just absolutely thumped him in the modified division. This kid is going to be good. He's won races in the Midwest Mod. I believe it was his first win in the A Mod. I am super excited to watch some of these young kids just excel at a high level. In the Superstocks. That was in the A Mod? That was in the A Mod. He's 14 and racing in A Mod? Killed him. Absolutely killed him. Yeah, (laughs) killed him. Killed him. So, speaking of the A Mods, Kennedy Swan's in an A Mod too. I think she's Mm -hmm. the same age. She's 14 or 15. Superstock, this was kind of the quote of the week. Kurt Myers in the multi, I think multi-time national champion. Um, he built a car for his kid, a superstock. He's he's figured I'm gonna go out and test drive this thing, and he just give him an ass whooping. I mean, he's he's good in a super. Gets down in victory lane and he's like, Yeah, you know, I uh, built this car for the kid, but they're down on vacation playing tiddlywinks or something. We're here winning features. So you can tell he was like, you know, the wife brought the rest of the family on vacation. He's like, I built a freaking race car. The kid should be here. But when the kid comes back, that car's ready to go. It's super fast. Kurt Meyer's extremely good in the supers. B mods, they had hope for Heather. Um, so Mike Widman is a, a really good Midwest mod driver in that area. And uh, his wife, Heather, stage four cancer. Uh, not a good deal. So they put together kind of a little deal for her and uh, flying Ryan Olson took home the thousand to win payday, just hustled on the high side. Whitman came up through the pack on second. So that was a pretty cool thing being able to see him uh, have a good run for that deal. And, you know, prayers to Heather and Heather Whitman, hopefully, hopefully that she can find a way to get past this and uh, have a long life. I mean, a lot of people have, so we can, we can have a lot of hope Saturday, Bert, the best with soda racing of last weekend was at the devil's playground in devil's lake north dakota so darn tv is how you watch okay you can watch these races on darn tv it was the nlra late model opening night brody trough rubin absolutely stomped him strand got to him a little bit in lap traffic but boy did that kid make some moves bird i tell you what he kind of split him a little bit did a couple cool things in lap traffic he's a mutter the track was i would say as close to falls as you can get because moisture on the bottom had a cushion on the top and you flat out hustle around that place midwest mods canadian austin hunter threw a pretty cool slider on jory berg to take the win but the street stock race Joey Peterson, I'm not sure if you heard that name, late model guy, races up in Grand Forks, really good driver, has had a great career, still racing. His kid, Tucker Peterson, one of the up-and-comers in the street stock class, phenomenal race car driver. Right away, first lap, second lap, he gets into the guy, into some, one of the locals, that great Josie, I think, turns him around, gets put to the back, comes from last, Bert. White flag comes out, down the back straightaway. And there's three cars there that are in lap traffic. He bangs the berm, diamonds it, and they come off. And it was like a photo finish race of the week was the street stocks, of course, at the Devil's Lake Speedway. Hats off to the crew at Devil's Lake for a great track over there. And then Sunday, Bert, the Granite City Motor Park opened up in Sock Rapids, Minnesota. She was a dandy. Uh, They put new clay on here, Bert, about two and a half weeks ago. Um, and it was it was rough. And it was one of those deals where cancel, 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 cancel. They, they canceled everything at the beginning of the year, right? Snow, rain. Finally, finally, it's one of those days where it's 70 plus degrees out. It's sunny. They're driving around the track with equipment. They think they're like, I think it's going to be OK. 
you can't cancel, right? You, I mean, the place would everybody go nuts if they cancel on a sunny day. Well, when the when the when the sun went down and the moisture came up, Bert, it was a rodeo track again. Hard to knock a track on opening night with new clay and all that, but Grand Rapids, I helped them a little bit. They went through that here the last couple of years, and and uh, it's just a bad deal. I mean, it's not for lack of effort. They worked their ass off to try to make that thing nice, and you know, I think it's going to take a week or two to kind of get it into shape. Ryan Gerke, Mullet Nation, he wanted the modified. He come across a checkered left rear tire, flew right off the race car, like it busted the <laughs> wheel and everything. That's like mod fours and Hornets ripping the right front off. Um, Dennis Zek actually won the supers. Sabraski got the lead, broken axle. Jordan Hinkemeyer went to take the lead and got himself into the fence. Jake Smith, the reigning national champ, won the Midwest mods. I I'm going to have to give some donkey awards here at Granite City. Um, not to the promoter, not to the track prep crew. So relax. It's not for that. Bert, in the Midwest Mod Division, and people can look at my race pass to see who, right? There was multiple drivers that got disqualified in heat races. Do you know why they got disqualified? They didn't go to the scales. Come on. How, how is that a thing, right? How How is it a, like, you know that you have to go to the scales. Like, how? So drivers, I'm going to start calling people by name. You forget the scale, make a fist, punch yourself in the head. Because you're a dumbass, okay? You can't forget the scale. That is just unbelievable well, to me. I, I don't get. Yeah. And if you're a driver that going to a new track, you can't use that. You can't use the excuse either. You didn't know where the scale is because that's your responsibility before the race is. Find out where the scale is and find out where you need to go after the race. It's one of the most basic things in all of motorsports. The top X of one of drivers go to the scale, go to the tech area, and that's it. I mean. I don't get it. I literally do not understand how that is even a thing, but I guess it's about as bad as people having tires fall off and parade laps and it, things happen <laughs> that shouldn't happen. It just, it just makes me scratch my head. So Bert, a um, lot more recaps on the Wasota stuff. Just go to, you know, um, stay tuned later on this week for the recaps of power ranking shows. We'll go into a, a little bit more detail on each of those events, but our top five moments of the week. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. Of course, Buck, right, the founder of this company in the Hall of Fame, the NASA Hall of Fame for lubricants. Very smart individual, a lot smarter than this guy, I promise, okay? Now, he has a lot of different products out there, but they're, they're staple. Their big product right now is their tire treatment products. Why? Because tires are freaking expensive, Bert. Like, you can get them this year. There's no shortage, right? But my goodness, they, it's, it's insane how much they cost. So these are these are actually um, environmentally friendly. There's a lot of different products out there, entire treatments, Bert, that you you do you want to wear rubber gloves. You don't want to touch this stuff. This stuff's eco-friendly. You want it, it's definitely something that is not like those other products. So why why do you want to check this stuff out? If there's a product out there, right, that will help you get more nights out of your tires and still be competitive, keeping money in your pocket, would it be worth at least getting educated about it to figure out if this is a good fit for you or not? If you want that to be the case, if you want to learn more about this, call Chad. Chad's number 
three five three six. That's Chad. He can get he can get you all the information you need on these great products they have to offer. Also, Bert, um, the Gen X late models, they they have them at Fergus Falls, Montevideo, and Madison. Basically, the crate late models, limited late models, whatever you want to call them. He put together a $10,000 point fund combined between the three tracks for that class because he he likes, he's like, I like that class. A lot of people make fun of it. They're like, oh man, they're limited late models. It's a hell of a lot cheaper and it doesn't matter what class you're running. I mean, who wants to go spend 80 grand a year to make a thousand bucks? I mean, this class here is, is a great class and he's, he's putting the money back into the sport. So thanks a lot to Buck for that. So number five, Bert, number five. I'm excited for this kid's future. Blake Adams, son of the human highlight reel, Buzzy Adams, grandson of both Dave Adams and Tim McMahon, jumped up into a Midwest mod, had a great career. I mean, I'm talking like insane amount of wins in, in various divisions in the go-kart world. Took home his first heat win, right? This weekend was his first weekend in a Midwest mod. Took home his first heat win. And uh, future's bright. Keep an eye on this kid. I mean, a lot of people are like, it's a heat win. Who gives a shit? It's a kid in a B-Mod <laughs> winning. Relax. Watch the show. It's going to be a fun deal. The only thing that sucks, though, is when he starts getting really good, I have a feeling the old buzzsaw is going to maybe hang up the steering wheel and focus on that. <sighs> As a race fan, I want to see Buzzy race more, not less. So, number four talked about it already i hit on it and i probably shouldn't have because i have it on my on our top five donkey award to me okay race of the week by far in the wasota area the wasota street stock a main at the devil's lake speedway over in north dakota tucker peterson second generation superstar in the street stock class bert it couldn't have been i mean three four inches it was like three Three one hundredths or three one thousandths of a second at the line. It was that close. He came from last. He got put to the back early. Came from dead last. Went three wide at the line. Came up just a little bit short. Seth Fostrike, congratulations! Great win for you, Bert. Number three. What do we got? Um, don't we we know? Well, the Packers always like to play the prevent defense, <laughs> and it all it never works. It never works. <laughs> And it doesn't work in racing either, because uh, um, and uh, Anthony, how do you spell it? Mac Macri. Anthony Macri uh, took advantage of it and uh, won the World of Outlaw feature, uh, the first one of last week. Yeah, Lincoln, PA. Of course, uh, Brent Marks, who won a couple big, big races last week or last year, he's leading this thing, Bert. Right? They're not in lap traffic. Nothing. Literally, he's leading. And Macri pokes it down to the inside, and and Mark's got a big run on the back straightaway. It's like, well, he can get in there harder, but he's not going to come off the corner. Well, it spooked. It spooked Marks because he went down to the bottom then on the last two circuits, right? And when he did that, Macri went up top, literally drove right around to where he was. It's like, I don't know if he had somebody giving him signals that moved him down because sometimes them signal sticks. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. I don't know if they're a thing in World of Outlaws or not. But needless to say, he saw him to the inside. He moved down, tried to block the slider, tried to block him from winning, and he went by him like he was on jack stand. So the prevent defense don't work for the Vikings. It don't work for the Packers, and it does not work for Brent Marks either. Just saying. 
Bert, did you watch any NASCAR stuff this week? Uh, yes, I watched the last 30 laps. Um, and, I mean, we kind of talked about this last week. Um, Ross Chastain was near the front, so it's like, I got to watch this and see what happens. Something's <laughs> going to happen. So last year, he had a video game move, right? Where he at Mar- was at Martinsville, where he just carved the high side yeah. to make it into the chase, right? Into the final <laughs> round. Well, there's kind of a video game move here, too, because him, I don't know what stage of the race it was, but he was side-by-side with Larson, and they got together, and he came up, and Larson came down. Either way, he got turned into the fence, and Larson, like he would on a video game, literally pushed him sideways all the way down the straightaway. Yeah, that was the last That was the last lap. That was the last lap? Okay, I wasn't yes. sure. I saw the highlights. <laughs> yes, that, that was the last lap. Well, they had a restart. And um, Larson was on the on the inside and Chastain was on the outside and Larson squeezed him up near the wall, didn't didn't hit him. um, But then another caution came out and then but just by the time the caution came out, Chastain was actually ahead of of uh, of uh, Larson by about that much. So then then uh, Chastain got to pick the lane that he wanted to start in. So he chose the inside and then he tried to do the same, same thing, squeeze him up near the wall. But I mean, he got ahead of him a little, then he squeezed him, and then he kind of ran into him and turned up and then he got sideways. And yeah, Larson pushed him <laughs> down the track. <laughs> and you know, the, the night before though, in the Xfinity race, Larson wasn't afraid of contact there so i'm just yeah i i didn't see that one i heard about it but i didn't see that one but um i mean that's um three out of the last four races chastain has has caused an accident that larson has been involved in and um larson was so disgusted he didn't even talk to reporters he just left the track yeah they talked to hendrix after yeah he's like he's like if he keeps doing that, we will retaliate. Like he, yeah. he he gives us one, he's getting one back. And he and Hendricks even went on to say he goes, he's a talented racer. He just needs to settle down a little bit. Well, it, it, it's funny because you know Hendrick was um, trying to ease the blow on the on the sponsors because they both drive Chevys. So Hendrick said, you know. I know he drives a Chevy. We drive a Chevy, but Chevy's got to understand that, you know, we're not going to take this. <laughs> I like me some Ross Chastain. It makes it interesting, <laughs> right? I, I Every time he's out there, it's because something crazy is going to happen. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that he even raced, though, because wasn't it last week where he punched Noah Gregston? And, and yeah. he's so I don't know what he, he must have got a fine or maybe some points. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about penalties. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what the penalty was. I would think he would have gotten at least a fine. I thought he would have got suspended. But, you know, hey, hats off to NASCAR for not because, you know, let, let boys be boys. Kyle Busch, they talked to him, and he's like, hey, look, here's the deal. The only thing they did wrong with that deal when Chastain punched Gregson is the security came in like 10 seconds too early because Noah Gregson didn't get a chance to punch him back. Like right. He's like, let him go for 30 seconds or a minute or so. And if somebody's getting a clear upper hand, break it up. But do that stuff. Put it on TV. You'll pack the place. Ratings will be through the roof. That's what's got NASCAR on the map to begin with. So interesting stuff in the NASCAR world. That was for our boy Brad there, big NASCAR guy. <laughs> and number one on the list, let's get Fallsy. 
I'm telling you what, man. I mean, this place, I, I don't know how I didn't even hear about it until just a couple of years ago. It's, it's existed. Thank God for streaming, right? If it weren't for seeing this place on flow, I never would have known it was a thing. But unbelievable race again. A lot of drama. So the smooth operator, Bobby Pierce, capitalizing on massive amounts of mayhem, right? And it didn't even involve the 32. That's crazy, right? Usually he's kind of in the mix. He wasn't. He got the win. $30,000 payday. So let's break this one down a little bit. So a couple things here that happened. So coming through this race, Dennis Herb Jr. actually won one at Illinois earlier this week. Looked really good on the bottom. Big. There was a rain delay, so it was more moisture than normal. Big, big, aggressive cushion. Not like a cushion where you can just come in and bang off it. A cushion where you better have big boy balls and you better not lift or you're going to get turned into the fence. As Ricky Thornton Jr. learned down the front straightaway, he got hooked into the fence, right? Well, Huddy, who's been Hudson O'Neill, who has been very good as of late. He's been the number one late model driver, in my opinion, thus far in 2023. He's storming the high side, right? I mean, he's like hair on fire, carving it on the top. He's getting huge runs. He gets a run on Dennis Herb Jr., shuts the door. No harm, no fall. He lifted, crossed him over. They get down into turn number one, and Bird all hell breaks loose. I mean, it literally, he got in there, and on initial eyesight, I'm going to ask what you thought of this. On initial eyesight, I'm like, oh, my God. Hudson O'Neill literally just literally drove right over the top of Dennis Herb Jr., and Shannon Babb got collected in it. And, I've since watched it a bunch of times, several times, slow motion, all that stuff. Bert, you're, well, needless to say, Dennis Jr. went to the back on that deal because he was the only car that stopped. Um, no, Shannon no. Babb was done. Shannon Babb stopped and he was sent to the back, but he went into the pits. Erb yep. didn't stop, but his, the driver's side was exposed to oncoming yeah. traffic. And the rule is, if that happens, the caution is on you. So then he got sent to the back. <laughs> that That is correct. Thanks for clarifying that. So your thoughts on that. I don't know if you got to watch Slow Mo. Yes. I mean, what? Yeah. what's your thoughts? Um, um, my initial reaction was, yeah, that Huddy just drove all, just drove over the top of him. Um, and I was upset about that because he took out two Illinois drivers that were <laughs> Running near the front, <laughs> and I needed an Illinois driver to win the and race. You still got one, so it all yeah, works out. <laughs> and uh, but then you know they kept showing the replay, and then I watched it um, some more. And I think Huddy was over aggressive. He should have been more patient, um, but. It's kind of a it's kind of the case of the B1 bomber at Mississippi Thunder. You don't have you don't you can't lay claim to the entire track because because Herb came out of four low, he drifted up to the high side, so so Huddy couldn't pass him on the on the outside down the down the front straight. And so then Huddy ducked to the inside. And I mean he was I mean, their tires had to be even with each other, you know, front tire to front tire. They had to be even. And it was an aggressive move by by 
Hudson O'Neill, but Herb can't claim the high side and the low side in the middle. I mean, he's kind of got to pick a lane. I mean, Huddy took the low side because Herb went high. So, you know, Herb's kind of got to give him that low side. And, and I tell you what, Huddy got absolutely vilified on social media. Always oh, a hack, spoiled, entitled kid, this and that and the other. Like, he got karma because later on in the race, he's leading it. He, he loses the lead, right, to, uh, to Pierce, and he starts charging the high side, making up ground, and he absolutely yard sailed it into the fence in one and two. And everybody's like, oh, he had that coming. That's good for him. That's karma. Well, so my boys on the Dirt podcast, right, they, oh, we were texting during this deal, and they're like, uh, hey, um, that was all huddy. I'm like, you guys are out of your freaking mind. And we're arguing back and forth. We're going to call you on. I'm like, I'm going to call you guys up, right? So first thing, <laughs> my buddy Krause, right? He said, he goes, the leader can do whatever they want. Leader has lane choice. That's bullshit, right? If you've been racing in point average, which this is not, Dennis Herb Jr. got the lead fair well, and square with qualifying and all that. In in our former, with Soda Racing, that, that whole, like, the leader has, no, the leader didn't earn nothing. The leader usually can't walk and chew gum. But, well, right? so, if, if you want to say the leader get, gets his choice of lane, that's fine. I mean, his choice was a high side coming down the straightaway, <laughs> and, and O'Neill went to the inside. So Herb chose the outside, but he but in the corner he wanted the inside, but Huddy was there. Yeah, I, I agree totally. So he got inside of him, and, and it was one of, the, I mean, yes. People go to the fence, they arc it, and that's, you got to come back down. But it was clear that he went up, arced it, blocked, you know, blocked Huddy. Huddy made a beautiful move, crossed him over, got to the inside. He was literally all the way against the tires on the bottom, kept his car straight, never shoved up the racetrack, contacts made. It was a bad – at the end of the deal, it's a racing I mean, deal. I don't think it was a dirty move by anybody. I think it was a racing deal. and it just. I mean, what like, like I said, I think Huddy was over – aggressive i mean he actually took he took if you read his comments he took the blame because he was over aggressive right um but you gotta fall i mean you have a split second to decide i mean he had a hell of a run coming off of four so right. he had a split second to decide Am I going high or going low? He couldn't go high because herb was there so he <laughs> it was either check up or go down to the low side. And really what happened, I think Dennis Herb Jr. got spooked, right? Because, I mean, I don't think he's ever had anybody inside of him before. Like, he's <laughs> he's always so far on the bottom. So I, I think he was like, well, what the hell is that? Like, I, I don't think he expected a car to be there because he's he's so good on the bottom. So end of the end of the day, bad deal. We all like Dennis Herb Jr. It's hard not to. It would have been fun to see him battle for the win. Um, I don't, I don't see Huddy as a hack. I don't see him as a dirty driver. Well, he's aggressive. He's fun to watch, but he's not turbo and he's not Bobby Pierce. If you remember right, later in the race, I mean, I, I believe it was Pierce did a slider on him and O'Neill had to check up big time. Otherwise he would have rammed right into him. We'll talk, about that. We'll talk about that in just a second. <laughs> so new name for all you Huddy faders, right? We'll go back to the Don O'Neill days. We got Bendier Steel, the new deal, <laughs> Hudson O'Neill, right? So let's jump into some fan feedback, Bert. Um, but first, a shout out to our friends at buyracers.com. You know, whether you in for, for racers, Jordan Tollickson already got a couple wins in the late model this year former national champion in Wasoda, 
So if you need hats, you need shirts, you need hoodies, jackets, any kind of apparel, whether it's for your race team, for your sponsors, businesses, clubs, you name it, check out buyracerch.com. A lot of different ways that you can purchase, different different quantities. Um, great group to work with down in Montevideo, Minnesota. So we're going to get to that one. Actually, let's go to that one first since, since we're on that. So Mike asked, did stick signals win the race at Falls and should they be allowed? Um, I, I mean, obviously I don't know what, you know, who is giving stick single signals and stuff, but I mean, it's usually Bobby's dad that has the sticks. Yep. Right. Yep. And yep. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that he was kind of directing Bobby as to high or low. And uh, because if Bobby would have stayed low the entire time, I, I don't think he wins. <laughs> Huddy, I think Huddy was going to drive right. 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 And, right. and this is right. where Bobby, right. Bobby was extremely patient. Like he ran the bottom, ran the bottom yep. until he had to go high. Then he took off. And it's like, that was one of his better races. That was impressive. But I, I absolutely believe that his dad is down there, one of the best stick signal guys out there. Well, one of my my guy was the best, right, Jim? <laughs> he was the best stick signal guy for sure. But Bob Pierce, a close second. But I guarantee he moved him up because he's running the bottom, running the bottom. Here comes Huddy carving the high side. Next thing you know, he takes a three-lane change, right-hand turn to the fence. Huddy lifted. Not. Dennis Herb Jr. did not lift, incidentally. Just saying. Um, he lifted and he never he never got the lead back. He it was at that point he tried, but I, that kind of messed up his rhythm a little bit, never quite got back by him. Should stick signals be allowed? Well, before I answer that, I just want to say, I mean, Huddy Huddy was fast on the high side, but it was a fine line because his car was not. If you watched him, especially in one and two, uh, you know, normally in a corner, you know, your wheels are turned. I mean, his wheels would be straight in the corner because he was struggling so bad to make it through the corner. But he was fast uh, when he hit it right. Um, but as far as stick signals, I would prefer that they not be be used. You know, just let the let the drivers duke it out on the track without uh, knowing, you know, who's high, who's low and that sort of thing. Never happened. That the problem is it'll never happen. Right. So it's, it's like one of those rules where you can make the rule, but are you really accomplishing anything? Because I, I promise you this, I promise you, even at events where stick signals are not legal, they're using different ways, hats, different, yeah. I mean, different things that communicate with their driver. Ever since there's been two cars competing in a race of any kind, there's been somebody signaling the drivers on where to go. It just is what it's part of the sport. And some people are like, oh, it's terrible. It's happened forever. I've even seen people, Bert, right, that, that have been racing for a long time. I've never used stick signals. Well, yeah, you don't win either. So there's that. I'm just saying, like, it's <laughs> right. a huge advantage if, if you're allowed to use stick signals. And you're not, you're a dumbass. I'm just saying, right? Because it's a huge advantage, especially if you're leading. You don't know what the what the track's doing, right? You don't know if somebody's coming on, on the high side or this side's better high and that side's better low. You don't know what's going on. When you're out front, 
and you have nobody to gauge off of, especially, you know, for Bobby, I mean, he raced, I mean, he knows that place, but it, you go to a place that you don't really know some of these traveling series and all that. I'm telling you what, if you can use them and you're not, you're just dumb. I don't really understand why you wouldn't use them, but well, I, I mean, and, but I get your point. I mean, well, and the thing is, you know, using stick signals, it just, that's just another, another thing that just showcases how great these drivers are. I mean, to be racing at a small track like Falls, where there's action everywhere, and, you know, not only are you concentrating on trying to get around the track, you're looking to see what lane you're supposed to be racing in. Therefore, I recant my previous statement, kind of, because there's some people that have a very difficult time keeping it straight when they're focusing. <laughs> look at the racetrack. If you're that guy, look at the racetrack, okay? But, no, in, in all seriousness, they can outlaw it all day long, but people are going to find ways around it. It's yeah. just going to happen. It's part of the sport. Absolutely. Bobby Smith or Bobby Smith. Bobby Pierce got moved to the top of that uh, racing surface, and uh, that, that got him the win. So we got another one here from Brad. Um, so in the loop, in the Castro Flow Racing Night in America race at Lincoln, the one Hudson O'Neill won, there's a caution at the end of the race. Green checkered. What his question is, what is with this whole green checkered nonsense? Okay. Like in the history of this, which has only been like a year, like I don't know when this started, like last year or whatever, there has literally never been a good finish that I can even think of that was a green checkered one lap dash. It, it's just, it is literally a buzzkill. Just if you're going to go that road, just throw the checkered, call it a day, or give the fans what they want, which is a green, white checkered finish. Bert, your thoughts on this green checkered stuff? No, I agree. Um, you know, every race should end. Um, I mean, if you're coming off a caution, it should be a green white checkered. I agree with that. I I don't like the green checkered. So here we go. We're gonna boycott. We're gonna we're gonna start a movement here. Hammer <laughs> on Ben Shelton, Rigsby, um, Jarrett. Right, Lucas Oil, get a hold of them guys, Schwally. I, I, like, just mass amount of social media emails, just hammer them. And <laughs> green checkered, go back to green, white checkered, hammer but, them, hammer them, hammer them, and tell but, them Bert Lehman told you to do so. But be polite about it. Don't do it the way Tyler Herb does it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Because he got the droop rule deal. And yeah, he, uh, He's got a little bit vocal on that. That was quite well, interesting. And did you see his driver's suit last week? I did not. Um, so I don't know if it's from that comment that he made or if it's from his anger management classes that he had to take, but uh, he had a jailhouse driving suit with the uh, black and white with, with uh, stripes. Really? Yes. <laughs> he's an interesting character. He's starting to find a little bit of speed. So hopefully he, he's good for the sport. When he's on his game, it's good for dirt track racing. So he, he's he's not afraid to be uh, a little bit vocal. He's super fun. I'm a, I'm a fan for sure. Another question we got from Brett kind of in regards to the, the finishes is the single file deal. So I get it. If it locks down rubber, you got to go single file. I get it, right? Or, or if there's just caution after caution after caution, like we can't get it right. You got to go single file. But 
in some of these series, Bert, they get inside a 10 to go and bam, it's automatic single file rate. I mean, your thoughts. I agree with you. You know, if the track is rubber down, yeah, then you, you need to go single file. Um, but no, I, I, I don't care if it's under 10 laps, you should restart the race the way you normally restart the race. Um, to me, it, it's similar to in basketball when people say, well, you can't call that foul when there's under a minute left in the game. Well, if it's a foul one minute into the game, it should be a foul with one minute left in the game. If you're restarting the race five laps into the race, or if you're restarting the race with five laps to go, it should be the same type of restart. Especially if it's multiple lanes. If it's one lane, I get it. I right, get it. right. It, but if, I it's, mean, if it's multiple lanes, it's so much more entertaining for the crowd. This Racing is a form of entertainment. Single file restarts are not entertaining. It's as simple yeah, as that. I agree. I mean, just, I mean, take falls, for example. You know, I watched that yesterday after I got home from the dance recital and I didn't, I didn't know the outcome, which was good. So, you know, right. I was, oh, what's, what's going to happen here? <laughs> and the caution came out with like three, well, when Huddy hit the wall, uh, yep. there was like three laps to go or something. And uh, I knew Shepard was running third. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to start on the outside. This is going to get good. And then the announcers go, and we're under 10 laps. So we're going to be starting single file. And it was basically follow the leader for those three laps. And 100%. Because I, I thought the same thing. When they went when they went yellow there, I'm like, Hudson, Hudson or yeah, Hudson crashed. B Shep's in third. He's going to be on the outside. He's in a, and he got a terrible restart. But if he would have been on the outside on that restart, could he have made something of it? I don't understand what their logic is here with some of these things they do. But, uh, yeah, Brett, I think you're spot on. Um, Single-file restarts are a buzzkill to dirt track racing. Got to get rid of them unless it's one lane. Um, so Jeff here apparently wants – so this came from Jeff, race car drivers, not from Ryan, not from Bert, not from Puka, okay? So – Looking at the Illinois speed, <laughs> they got a lot of moisture on the racetrack, right? And they got big cushions. I mean, they're 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 hustling, right? I mean, it, it's a totally different form of racing. It just it just is. So you look at that. Add in the fact that it rained right at Fairbury, and it's a slop hole to be. You know, they had to kind of work the track in. Heats are a little bit greasy. He goes. Our, our racing in Wasota country, it doesn't even look the same, right? Like everybody says all the time, oh, asphalt sucks, dirt's for racing, not asphalt. Asphalt's for getting there. But then you got some of our drivers, they want the track to resemble asphalt, right? So, and his question was, why do our drivers across Wasota country, and I don't know that he means everybody, but just reading what he has, why do our guys get so butt hurt? at wet racetracks. Bert, do you have a theory on that? I do, but what, what do you got? Uh, I really don't have a theory on it. I mean, I guess, you know, so many tracks in in this area are like that, that they just got used to it. And right. anything that's uh, not close to that, you know, is, it's a bad track. Um, I mean, we've talked about this over and over. I mean, I can remember back in the 90s, you know, you, you used 
to have to pack the track for like an hour before the race races started because you know that's how much moisture they had on the track but somewhere between somewhere in the last 30 years it it's shifted to uh you know they want a uh you know a hard track from top to bottom and and you know no cushion and <laughs> i so, mean i think it racing when there's a cushion is the most exciting i mean it doesn't need to be a large cushion like it was at falls but right, right. there has to, i think there has to be a cushion with some moisture so that there's a high side to race on and we don't want complete mud holes right right, right. And we don't want like i mean no knock on grain if they tried new clay it didn't work they're gonna get it right we don't want like rodeo tracks where you're destroying race cars a little character some traction a cushion right? Mud at the beginning of the night. So it's good at the end of the night. Here's my theory. So I talked to a guy today, Bert, he said modified from a specific chassis builder. I won't mention the name, a full roller, right? You drop in your engine, $40,000 for a modified. Bert, it pays 500 to win. I mean, come on. Right. I know. So I mean, it's just <laughs> stupid. So it, it flat out is more expensive to a point, right? Because, A, if you have moisture in your track all the time, a little bit of cushion, you got some grip and some character, you don't need a $40,000 car. You don't need it. You can literally have a seven-year-old modified and be just as fast. Make the car turn, the grip's in the track, go race, right? All this technology is to try to get traction for racetracks that are bone dry and look like asphalt. So... And they're dainty. These cars now are like, they're, they're so fragile, right? You get on a rough track and they literally fall apart, right? Because everything's lightweight, flex, and all this stuff. So, A, um, it's, it's flat out more work. I mean, that's the big thing. Nobody wants to work on these things anymore, right? It's, it's more work. So, it's, they're like, if you get on a track like Falls or these tracks with characters, you're going to be doing body work you're going to be fixing stuff right there's definitely work to be done on the flip side folks look at your grandstands right look at the grandstands when there's literally 400 people in the grandstands watching boring ass dry slick racing ask yourself why and you're wondering why the racetracks don't pay more right because nobody wants to watch the boring product that we have here as compared to illinois and uh, so I think the answer to that deal is, you know, when it says why, it's it's way more work, Bert, to race on them cowboy up tracks because there is going to be some carnage and some stuff happening. So good questions by everybody. And uh, fans, if you ever have feedback questions or uh, anything, shoot me a text, a message, shoot Bert a text or a message. I'm kind of fun going through some of this. So let's jump into a little who's hot and who's not. And uh, we don't have a brought to you by on this one. I moved that one. Bert, I see you kind of peek in there. It's Monday night. We're airing the show. Is the late model feature on? No, I'm not peeking. I'm, oh. checking, I'm checking to see where my dog is every now and then. Okay. I'm like, I wonder if he's got a little update for me. because No, I, no I, I stream that through my phone, and I use my phone to do the show, so I can't even have it. All right. We'll, we'll have to catch that after. <laughs> so who's hot and who's not? So who do you have as far as who's hot? Um, the first one I'm going to go with is, I mean, he's been on our not hot list a few times, but I'm going to go with Brandon Shepard, um, you know, ra racing near home. Uh, he was in the top five, all three, 
three, all three features, I believe. And um, he started on the pole in the race that's being in the heat race for the race that's being made up tonight. And he, and he finished second that, that bummed me out because I had <laughs> picked him, but maybe he can come back in the feature and still win it. <laughs> 74 laps. Got plenty of time. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, I'm going to go with Brendan Overton. Um, the announcers made a big deal about how he doesn't run well in the, in the, at the Illinois tracks. And he hasn't even been to all of the Illinois tracks that he raced at last week. And, um, uh, well, part of this is because of, uh, Hudson O'Neill's crash at the end, but, uh, look who's at the top of the Lucas oil points right now by five yeah, points. I, I have that one down too. So I got, I, you got a brand, you got a pair of Brandon's. I had Brandon over 10 Lucas oil point leader. Of course, Remember, at the end of the year, you just got to be in the top four at the end of the year going into the Dirt Track World Championship at Eldora. And I'm just going to go with Dirt Track Racing at Falls. I mean, the, I mean, the racing, the atmosphere, everything about it, it is red hot. I am so jacked to get to the Prairie Dirt Classic, Bert. It's going to be a blast. And uh, um, I think everybody needs to go look me up or hey, let me know if you guys are going. If any fans are going, let me know. But uh, Fairbury. I, they got it going on. It's red hot. Who's not? Um, I have two drivers. I'm going to go with um, um, Tyler Erb. Um, I know he, he ran good in the in the heat race of the feature that's being made up tonight. But other than that, he was kind of a non-factor for the week. I mean, he had to take an emergency provisional to make the falls race. I mean, they had four emergency provisionals for the falls race. They started 28 cars on that, on that little track. And uh, the other driver I'm going to go with is uh, Jason Fager. I mean, you know, it's his home, you know, he's racing near home and he failed to make any of the features except for the one that's being, or recording this on Monday night, except for the one that's being uh, made up tonight. That's a good one right there. I didn't even think of him. I'm going to go with Devin Moran. You know, there's another guy just kind yeah. of been an on factor. He's been like nowhere to be found. And, you know, he was so darn good, especially the beginning of last year at Speed Weeks. And then he kind of was hit and miss throughout the season. But he, he doesn't just seem, been, he doesn't seem to have an in-between. He's either really good or really bad. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know his crew situation or whatever, but I'm going to go with Devin Moran. So let's jump into a little recap from last week's picks. Brought to you by our friend Brad Parson, Brad Parson Egg Solutions. So if you're a farmer, hopefully you're planting. It's planting season. I know a lot of people are getting crops in the ground. Western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Well, you want to have the right stuff in those spray packages to get better yields, better profitability. It's worth a phone call, right? Give Brad a call, 320-219-3542. Again, 320-219-3542. For racers, by racers, he's got a lot of data. He can get you all the information you need. But if, if, there's a, if there's a product out there that can make you more profitable, why not check it out and see if it can be a good fit for you? So last week, Bert, uh, we talked about some of these, so we'll kind of skip through pretty quick. But uh, there was a pair of Castro Flow Racing Night in America races that we picked. Spoon River. The one-man band, Dennis Herb Jr. from 7th, probably the best run he's had in a long time. Ended like a 70-race losing streak that he had. 
Um, so that was a big win for him. And that was a Donnybrook. I mean, there was like three, four cars underneath the blanket. Pierce had a shot to win that one, if you remember. Got in the back of a lapper, lifted like it was going to be yellow. Herb went on to victory. None of us had Dennis Herb. None of us had him. But Kent and Brad both had Bobby Pierce, who got second. So they got a point. Um, would, would, would her, I think if he wouldn't have got that lap car, Herb was pretty strong. Was he going to win that anyway? Do you think Pierce would have got him? Um, I'm trying to remember how that all went down. Um, Herb, Herb was on the bottom. I know. Shocker. Shocker. Right. And uh, Pierce was carving the high side. It was a little dirty. And I don't remember who the lap car was, but they tailed a little bit and he clipped them, turned them, oh, maybe Stormy. That's right, that's stormy. right. Yeah, he um, turned them and, and then he just lifted out of the gas and Herb was gone, no yellow. They they kept racing and it's like, well, that's that. Dennis Herb Jr. is going to win this one. Uh, yeah, I think Pierce would have got him uh, without that little bit of, of an incident. I think it would have been interesting because it was a little dirty up there. I think Herb might have still won it, but I guess uh, we'll never know. Um, yep, interesting exactly. tidbit. Interesting tidbit here, Bert. RTJ, who was second in the Castro points, didn't make the feature. I know. Brandon Overton, who has been hot, he didn't make the feature, right? But what's interesting about this is they started 22 cars, had no provisions. I know. I, I was shocked by that. Because they didn't have provisionals, but they have provision. They had the provisionals the next night. Yes, I, I did. didn't understand that. Yep, <clears throat> yep. So the next night is the night that Hudson O'Neill won. Kurt and myself both had Huddy, and uh, Bishop tracked him down and looked like he was gonna make a race out of it. The crowd was going bonkers for Bishop. Right, they wanted that Illinois guy to win, and uh, then they had that green checkered deal. Dennis Herb Jr. didn't make the feature in this one. He wins the night before, doesn't yeah. make the feature, was not in line for a provisional. But you're right. They had 22-car feature at Spoon River, no provisionals. Then they had a 24-car feature at Lincoln, had a pair of provisionals. It must have been like the first couple nights. I mean, it's kind of a weird deal. Um, I don't really understand it, but I guess it is what it is. So the points in that deal right now, Marlar's leading. Huddy's six points back. Davenport's nine back. B-Chef is 15 back. And T-Mac is 18 back. So the top five in points, literally 18 points separating the top five. Pretty tight in the Castro series. World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, we had a couple of those. We talked about Macri um, kind of getting uh, the gift-wrapped feature win from uh, Brent Marks in his prevent defense. One, two for the PA Posse in Lincoln. Kent and Jeff both had Brent Marks. And uh, thank you, Anthony Macri, for taking a point away from both of those guys so appreciate that uh, mark's got second uh, williams grove they're supposed to have a double header saturday rained out friday night the big cat brad sweet flat out dominated that one not so hot carl had brad sweet couple points for him brent marks incidentally got second both nights so still a good weekend probably a little bad taste in his mouth while not winning donnie shots um third place finished there at williams grove the points in that Brad Sweet just looking for five straight. He's been unbelievable. Um, Gravel, 36 back. Macedo, 46 back. And everybody else is over 100 back. So it's a three-way battle right now. A lot of races left, but a three-way battle for that lead. 
Um, Lucas Oil Dirt Lay Models, of course, uh, Farmer 74 going on as we speak. And then Fairbury, we talked about that race. Of course, um, Bobby Pierce won, Carl, and yours truly, Bert had Pierce. So you just got two points on that one. So that was the races that we picked last week. So this and one, I'm looking good. Just before we move on, uh, when you brought up T-Mac's name, uh, this just popped into your mind. Uh, uh, he was, do you see he was driving a number five car? That's right. He was driving the other Rumley car. Yeah. Um, yep. The first two nights at the Castro race. Yeah. 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 In the Castro races, he was back in his regular car for the Lucas Oil races. Right. Right. So that, so that was, was interesting. Interesting to see that. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, I mean, so, before Kyle Larson drove for Rumley, uh, T Mac drove the Rumley car, house car. Oh, he did too. Because I know that JD did too. The six, yeah. right? Yeah, and when, when T-Mac raced it, it was also a number six. Okay, okay. So, oh, T-Mac was, I don't remember T-Mac in the six. Wait, that, that was a while ago, huh? No, that was right before Larson. Oh, it was? And that tells yeah. you how much I paid <laughs> I had a couple of years off. All right, so our standings right now, uh, Jeff is at 50, but uh, old right guy here, yours truly, uh little rod and reel action i'm one point back only mike and kurt are two points out of the lead at 48 brad and kent are at 40 birch at 39 dan's at 38 and carl is at 26 the goal for carl right now is to chase down old danny boy here but uh man there is four of us separated by literally two points Bert. And then uh, the next the next group of you are separated by two points as well. So a lot of racing left. Just I'm just tight. I'm just saving my tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, probably. I, I, I still I still don't have the trophy from last year. Mike, oh Puka has that, doesn't he? <laughs> well, Puka right. just sent me a package of stuff, and there he could he should have sent the trophy too. All right, donkey <laughs> award to Puka. Get that trophy over here. Come on, guy. So. This week, a lot of races this week, Bert. A lot of races. Castro Flow Racing Night in America, Tuesday at Marshalltown, Wednesday at Davenport. Of course, right now as we speak, right, the Farmer 74 going on. We picked that one. World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, Friday at Attica, Saturday at Sharon. Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series, Friday at the 300 Raceway, Saturday at 34 Raceway. World of Outlaw Late Models, Friday at Marion Center, Saturday at Port Royal. With so Structural Buildings, with Soda Late Model Challenge Series, Friday at I-94 in Fergus Falls, Saturday at the Big O, Ogilvy, Minnesota. High Limit Sprint Car Series, Tuesday at Wayne County. Incidentally, on that one, Bert, Sheldon Hoddenschild on the list to go to that High Limit race. The question is, is he going to miss one of those other races? How is this going to work out? Because they can only miss four and still get that uh, um, loyalty bonus or whatever it's called from World of Outlaws. So kind of a, keep a little bit of an eye on old Sheldon Hoddenshield there. So let's jump into the last lap. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota. For all things racing, safety, tires, um, repairs, new chassis, aero chassis, any parts you need, get a hold of Ron and Trevor. 
Um, they got a great business over in Watertown. That's Dirt Track Supply. So speaking of Watertown, speaking of the Casino Speedway family, um, that area mourning the loss of Troy Benson. So who is Troy Benson? Troy Benson was an announcer for a while, but let's go back. His dad, um, Earl Benson, was a former owner for several years, owned the Casino Speedway. Um, Earl and Sandy Benson ran that track. He was uh, he actually did a couple different things. He announced, he raced himself, Troy did. Earl Benson was also the president of Wasota for a number of years as well. So that all tied together, I believe 52 years old, uh, don't know all the details, don't know how it happened, but a lot of people, um, a lot of people knew and loved the guy. I knew him just a little bit, but uh, thoughts and prayers to the friends, family, everybody involved in the Casino Speedway with the loss of Troy Benson. Another guy down in Southern Minnesota, um, you've seen some pictures. If you look on the 2020 racing page, there's a kind of a station wagon looking light model like Nesbitt had, and it was Mert Williams. So Mert Williams, um, I think he was up in his, I don't know for sure, 70s or 80s, but uh, lost his life in this last week as well. Um, I saw a lot of comments, a lot of people posting and talking about Mert Williams, but a legendary racer down in Southern Minnesota for many, many years and uh, thoughts and prayers to his family as well. So, Bert, a little bit of news on tires. Tires are what wins the race, right? And a lot of people are like, Hoosiers everywhere, right? Hoosiers this, Hoosier that, Hoosier this, Hoosier that. And a lot of sanctioning bodies are kind of nervous. They're like, well, we don't want to rock the boat. We're going to just hand them more money for no apparent reason. Um, this other sanctioning body kind of did the opposite, Bert. What's going on there? Yeah, the Southern All-Stars Series, which has been in exist existence for, what, like 40-some years? I think it's um, the longest-running late model yeah. series out there. Um, they're allowing uh, drivers to use American racer tires. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, um, you know. Competition isn't a bad thing. <laughs> and so it begins, right? So <laughs> you remember Cedar Lake does this, right? And so does Jim Falls. So like with their modifieds, you can run the Wasota tire or you can run the American racer. You can run either okay. one there. It works. It works just fine, oh, right? There's people that have won on both of them. And, and I get it. A lot of people are like, well, can they, can they meet the demand? I don't know, but um, this is a first the first big series of any kind that I can, that I've seen that has made the decision to allow another brand of tires to come in. So it'll be, I'm a, it'll be interesting to see if more of that happens um, in 2023. Um, little, if you're a late model fan, I mean, there's a lot. We talked about some of the national series, but this week I-94 and Ogilvy are, are opening up with the Wissota late model challenge series. The Wabam Dirt King series, Bert, opens up in Menominee at the Red Cedar Speedway on Friday. So interesting to me because Wasoda, Menominee is a, a strong Wasoda track, right? Is it interesting to you that they're having a Dirt Kings race against the 5,000 to win challenge series opener in Fergus Falls? Is that interesting? Um, it is interesting. Um... I mean, we talked about this last year because I think it was the same situation last year. They were scheduled against the Wasota Challenge Series race or some high-paying late model race that 
right. so it split split up the the cars um i'm cut you know i i don't know how schedules are put together but i'm kind of surprised that uh dirt king's schedules against the wasoda challenge series um I mean, you could say, well, maybe Red Cedar, you know, that's the date they wanted. Um, I don't, I don't know the behind the scenes, um, but it's not just a one one time deal. I mean, later in the season, when when the Dirt Kings are racing at one forty one Speedway on a Saturday night, which is the same night that Shano races, and you know, I believe Shano has weekly late models at their track. You know, they scheduled a race against Shano. You know, they're only like hour apart from each other. But I believe there's also a Wasota Challenge Series race that night. And it's like, why? If if you're going to schedule against Shano, at least pick a night where you might get some other cars from the western part of the state. But um, but back to red cedar you know i'm not exactly sure what went into that scheduling but i believe it was the same issue last year where they were scheduled against uh a high paying late model show over in that neck of the woods it just doesn't seem like there's enough <laughs> late models to go around for that right I guess. Now, on the flip side we'll go to the other side of wasota right because it's kind of sandwiched in between dirt kings and of course the repairable vehicles tri-state late model series which, of course, Trevor Anderson won that series last year. They're opening up this weekend at the Rapid Speedway. So that's over on that other side. I think it was at Rock Rapids, Iowa, I think it is. So the question I have, and this is a little speculation here. Um, if you look at the Wasoda the Challenge Series Facebook page, Bert, it has a whole bunch of drivers listed that have made the decision, right? to follow the series they're like because they, they have a loyalty program with the challenge series they got some bonuses they got a cruise deal they got some pretty neat deals in there one person who has not yet committed is the 2022 challenge series champion cole searing okay yeah. i don't know maybe he'll be at the challenge series he hasn't committed yet right but there's maybe some speculation there's all every race over there's 1500 a win or better for the tri-state deal. He won a couple of them last year. He runs well at them. Some of them are at his home tracks, right? Here on which rained out this weekend. Um, where do you think Cole's going to go? Is he going to go a challenge series B tri-state or C is he just going to go to Aberdeen and casino and, and run the local stuff? If you were a betting man, which direction, what do you think he's going to do there? I'll say he goes to the Challenge Series race. I'm going to guess that you're probably right. But again, I mean, a lot of they've posted everybody that's committed. He is not yet on that list. So it'll be interesting to see if the 10 ride decides to do that. So mm -hmm. stay in this weekend. I just want to make one more point about. Uh... Uh, Red Cedar Speedway hosting in Dirt Kings. I mean, from their standpoint, you know, they should get 30 cars, even if even going against the Challenge Series, because they should get 20 to 25. Well, let's just say 20 from Eastern Wisconsin. And if they can pick up 10, 10 late models from Minnesota, Western Wisconsin, you, you have a 30 car field. 
which right. is all you really need. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know a couple of their regulars, right? Jake Brindetsky, John Kanta, a couple of them drivers have made the they've made the commitment to the challenge yeah. series. I, I think um, last last year uh Chad Mater and AJ Demel raced the Dirt Kings race at Menominee, and there, there are a few other ones. Yeah, and both of those, of course, going to be on Dirt Race Central, so make sure to check that out. So let's jump into our uh, our bold predictions. Every week, uh, Bert and I, and if you're a fan, if you have some predictions, send them over. We can add you to this. But we, pick, we make three bold predictions, and it's got to be something that either A, it did happen, or B, it did not happen. Right, there's no in between. It's not an opinion deal. It either did or did not happen. And uh, we had some things come off the board. We'll get into the stats. A little shout out: Mason Aaron's videos does all of our editing for us. Check out his YouTube page. He's got a lot of great content. Does a lot for the sport of dirt track racing. Just a first class individual, Mason Aaron's videos. So, Bert, you sitting down? You sitting down? I'm sitting down. You had a. You had a. You had a rough goal. Bert, earlier this year, um, you said there will be 25 late models at the Shano opener. <laughs> nope. Well, the Shano opener was originally supposed to be a Dirt Kings race. <laughs> it, it wasn't supposed to go head to head with the Super Six series. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You did not say if it's a dirt yeah. king race. No, yeah, I know, that, I know, I know. You're right. That's kind of right. a that's a bad beat. That's a bad beat right there. You said <laughs> Nick Anvilink will win the opener at Shano. Young Gun Gunner Frank got it done. You also decided to jinx Trent Nolan. Said he'd win the Shano opener. That did not happen. And then you went, you're not just happy with Jinx and guys at, at Shano. You got to go to Plymouth. You said Justin Ritchie was going to win at Plymouth on the podium, didn't win. Then you said World of Outlaw is going to win two in, in Pennsylvania. And and you kind of, it kind of like my deal with Brent Larson. You kind of got hosed out. I got hosed out of two nights. You got hosed out of one. But, uh, Brad Sweet won one, but Anthony Macri won the other one. So, Bert, that's five off the board there. Yeah. You did say the Hitman, Whitman, is going to win at Shano, the opener. Ding, 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 ding. You got that one right. I'm going to leave this one up to you. Okay. <laughs> Harry Casey will make his debut in eastern Wisconsin. I, I, that's up to you. I, on, on our group chat, the couple people going one way, a couple going the other way. I don't care. You make the decision. Is that a incorrect or a correct prediction? I'm going to, I'm such an honest person. I was probably thinking his, that it would be a race and it was a practice that he made his debut in Eastern Wisconsin. So I will say no point for that. Okay. All right. So I, I don't have, I can't do the math. Um, so I'm kind of reeling you in here. I, I had nothing come off the board because I kind of pushed everything a little I, bit. I'm making a lot more bolder predictions than I was earlier in the year. You so. are. You are. So I got, I have 15 correct, 33 incorrect, 16 on the board with a 31.25 um, average here. Bert, 
you had 22 correct. Now you'll have, well, until we update it, 22 correct, 33 incorrect. Same amount of incorrect, but you have seven more right. Now you're going to have one more incorrect. You were at 40%. You'll be just under 40. So you're still ahead of me, but I'm, I'm slowly but surely closing the gap. Closing the gap here. Our listeners are uh, 0 for 3. So if somebody wants to be bold here and, you know, jump on it. In fact, they do this on Purple Daily. I'll be honest. We stole this from Purple Daily, one of my favorite shows. So we're doing Vikings things just for Bert. And uh, if a fan or somebody wants to jump on here for just this little segment with three bold predictions each week, let us know. We'll get you on here. We can we can add you in. So, so Bert, moving on to this week. I'll let you go first. Give me three. Well, give me one at a time. Give me give me your first bold prediction for this week. A Pennsylvania driver will win at least one World of Outlaw feature late model this weekend. Okay. Okay. A Pennsylvania-based driver will win at, we, at least one of the World of Outlaw late model races this weekend. I'm going to go with the double one express. Pat Doerr is going to win at least one challenge series, a main this weekend, either Fergus Falls or Old. I'm going to go with AJ Demo will win the Dirt Kings feature at Red. I already, huh? I already said that one. You, you, you oh, got to add to that now. Yeah, you can't. You oh. can't copy me here. I, I picked that last week, oh. so I, I said AJ Demo was going to win the <laughs> open. So you can All add. Right. You can All add right. to it. All right. No, I'll say Nick Avlink will finish on the podium at Red Cedar Speedway in the Dirt Kings feature. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with out of all of our picks. We got multiple picks this week and we don't really have any series running three shows. They're all running two. So that kind of narrows it down. But out of all of our races that we're picking this week and all the series, at least one driver is going to double up with feature wins this weekend. Okay. And for my last one, um, I'm actually going asphalt on this one. And I'm going to go Ty Majeski will win the big ASA feature at North Wilkesboro this week. Um, it's a late model show, but there's a, a ton of NASCAR drivers that are going to be racing in it. So um, Ty Majeski. Bring that back to the Midwest where it belongs. Yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm going to be, I'm going to take a Homer one. I'm going to go to my old uh, stomping grounds, Hibbing Raceway. They open up this week in Hibbing, Minnesota. Um, if you can't be there, Dirt Race Central will have the action live. Um, kid that I kind of took under my wing for a while, a little controversial like me. That's why I like him. Tristan Labarge <laughs> will win the opening night with Soda Superstock A-Main at the Hibbing Raceway. So, there you have it, Bert. Uh, episode uh, one seventy seven in the book. Any closing thoughts before we uh, jump off here? Um, no, just uh, it was good to hear the roar of engines, uh, smell some uh, racing fuel, and uh, see some racing action. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I might be going to Hibbing this weekend because uh, my brother accident actually is uh, has his first kid on the way. Bert, it's a boy. 
And I'm just saying that if my brother loves his future child, he's going to start putting money away for a race car. I'm just saying, <laughs> right? He needs to do that. So I'm going to be up there. Uh, evidently, uh, baby showers now is a guy and girl thing. <laughs> I was told by my sister. So I'm going to go up there with my daughter, my my dad, my brother. We're going to barbecue and talk about how cool we used to be and well. If I'm up there, I'm probably going to maybe catch a race with my dad up in Hibbing on Saturday as well. So I um, hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Of course, if you ever have any feedback, any questions, you know, any thoughts, you know, hit up Bert, hit up myself, hit up Puka, hit up the show, whatever you want to do. Um, be sure to check out our Blast to the Past episode. So anybody, you know, think about 177, number 77. We have a show coming out this week that's going to talk, going to a little turn back in time check out that content and this week there was a bunch of racing bunch of racing happening the top 10 power rankings will be out this week check out that content as well so i'm ryan that is bert thanks for tuning in to the one to go show production of goat sports media llc